With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Blackout. As always, coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. And Alan, as we break from week one, we are headed into a week two pick and pod. How in the world are you feeling after the first weekend of college football? Hey, I'm better than uh, Brian Kelly's southern accent, man. So I'm doing all right today and uh, just have fallen in love with college football all over again. The southern accent and the Tigers down south struggling on the football field all the way around. Man, that was an exciting weekend that went down, but uh, an awesome way kind of to finish it up as we wrapped up Sunday watching Florida State block an extra point to come away and save a win after blowing you know, their lead over those last 30 or 40 seconds of the game. It was just quite a remarkable weekend in a lot of ways. Yeah, it really was. And that wasn't a particularly well-played game. I mean, it's just a lot of miscues, but good Lord, was it entertaining. Absolutely. Alan, before we get too far into recapping the weekend, let's go ahead and recap what happened in our picks, if you're ready for it. Uh, well, I don't know that I'm ready for this humble pie, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the humble pie is coming, but I'm not going to say too much because I know that it's going to come my way and everybody else's way in the ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports at some point this season. But that's okay. Alan, you did go 3-7 and seven against the spread. The wins were Arkansas minus 6.5, Arizona plus 5.5, BYU minus 12.5 as an ATS lock. The losses were Boston College minus 7.5, Oregon plus 17.5 as an ATS lock, Houston minus 5.5, Utah minus 2.5, Memphis plus 15.5, Boise State plus 3.5, and, and Ohio State minus 15 and a half. You're in a tie for 27th overall. If you go according to our tiebreakers with the score predictions in the weekly contest, then you're actually in 29th, but you did go one in one in your ATS locks. That is better than somebody else that appears on this show. So you've at least got that going for you. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance, basically. I at least uh, got that BYU game right. Felt really good about that going into the week. And, you know, travel across the country, they were delayed like three hours, all that kind of stuff. But as equally proud as I am of that, I am equally embarrassed of Oregon just getting absolutely dominated and Bo Nix going into the fetal position after about two plays. That was an ugly, ugly game for them and an ugly week for me, my man. 
No doubt an ugly week, but Alan, I have confidence that you can rebound from it. Hopefully we see that in week two. On the other side, for me, I did go six and four against the spread. The wins for me were Rutgers plus seven and a half, Arkansas minus six and a half, Arizona plus five and a half, BYU minus the 12 and a half, Mississippi State minus 15 and a half, and Notre Dame plus 15 and a half. The losses were Oregon plus 17 and a half, Houston minus five and a half as an ATS lock, Utah minus two and a half as an ATS lock, and Boise State plus three and a half. So, Alan, I end up with a really solid week. I'm in a tie for third when you look at the six and four record with the tiebreakers. I'm in fifth place overall, but I did go 0 and 2 against the spread with my locks. So, contrast that with how you did going 1 and 1 against the spread in your locks. I went 0-2, but that means that I did go 6-2 and in all my other ATS picks. So I have to be pretty happy with my board as it went down, but I was on the wrong side most definitely with the Houston play. Sure, they won the game against UTSA, but uh, they did not control that game, and they did not control Frank Harris the way I thought they would. And on the Utah side of things, man, I could have won that game about four or five different ways against the spread, straight up, any of it. But give credit to Florida for getting the win. But Utah certainly played a really good game and I think still is a really good team coming off of week one. Yeah, honestly, in many ways, they really impressed me. I came out of that game thinking more about Florida than I did thinking less about Utah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that my opinion of Utah doesn't change a whole lot. It would have been something to see them come out of the swamp with a win, but it'll be fun to watch them as they go throughout the year. Alan, let's go ahead and flip it over to the confidence value picks and the confidence picks overall that we see on the ESPN pick that we do on the other side of things. So Alan, you had a really strong week on this end. You went eight and two, came away with 46 points. The wins were Georgia at a 10, BYU at a 9, Arkansas at an 8, Ohio State at a 7, Mississippi State at a 5 as a value pick, pushing the Bulldogs down in value, Houston at a 4, Oregon State at a 2, and Arizona at a 1, a value play that hit strong in the upset. The losses were Boston College at a 6 and Utah at a 3. Overall, with the 46 points, you were in a tie for eighth. If you include the tiebreakers, you would fall in ninth place. A solid top 10 week, Alan. A good start. Really, really angry with Boston College, even though that wasn't a confidence pick. Uh, I mean, that was one that I, I really liked. I placed them right on par with where that spread was. They should have won that game. And I mean, just down the stretch, just absolutely melted under the pressure I moved Mississippi State too far down my board. I should have had them six or seven or plus. I think you were really right about that, even with the rain delay. Will Rogers and the Pirate got off to a great start and felt really, really good about Arizona over San Diego State. Jaden Delora was really good opening week. That's going to be a fascinating team to watch in the Pac-12 this year. No doubt about it. A huge improvement from the Wildcats, and Jaden DeLora was a big part of that win over San Diego State that you pulled out of your hat going into our pick and pod last week. Alan, for me, I went 7-3, and three, one mark less than you, but I did get 46 points as well, so we are tied on the leaderboard in the ESPN confidence pick em. My wins were Mississippi State at a 10 as a value pick, pushing them all the way up to the top value on my board, Ohio State at a 9, Georgia at an 8, BYU at a 7, Houston at a 6, another confidence value pick that 
I came out on top with, but I already talked about it against the spread. Houston was kind of outplayed in this game. I feel like I was pretty fortunate to have them get the win in triple overtime, but I still get credit for it. So I'll take it. I'll take those six points that I got. Arkansas at a five and Oregon State at a one. The losses were Utah at a four, Boston College at a three, and San Diego State at a two. Alan, because of the 46 points, just like you, I'm in a tie for eighth. If you break it down according to the tiebreaker with the total score predictions that go in weekly on the Pick'em, then I am in a tie for 10th. And uh, that's all I can really ask for. I hit on my confidence value picks. Both of us did really. When you talk about just picking the game straight up, we both went 2-0 and in those categories. I think we handed yep. out some really solid plays. And uh, seven and threes, just fine with me. I would really like to pick more correct than that. But the 46 points was solid. A top 10 finish is what I would like to get most weeks. It's not going to happen every week, but it's a great way to start off a pick season with the type of competition we have and sitting above the 90th percentile. I really like where we are heading into week two with the ESPN confidence pick Absolutely. With a group the size that we have, which is 70 folks, being in that top 10 is where you want to be. You got plenty of time if you're not in the top 10 to make that run. The board is still really condensed, really from even the top guy all the way down to 25th. You're looking at a 10-point swing, which can easily be made up in one week, right? Easily. We've seen that happen before many, many times and will happen this year. But yeah, good start. We did what we needed to do, but it's just the beginning. Yeah, and on that note, while we talk about some of the ground that can be made up, we have to talk just briefly about our leaderboard because, Alan, it is remarkable to me across two different contests against the spread on CBS and the confidence pick on ESPN, we technically have the exact same leader in both contests. His name is Derek. He has 53 points in the confidence pick on ESPN. That is a four-point lead over second place. And on the ATS pick on CBS Sports, technically Derek is tied for first place with Heath with seven correct plays against the spread. But if you break it down according to tiebreakers, Derek does technically hold the lead in both competitions after one week. It was an incredibly impressive performance by him, and uh, it means that every single one of us is chasing the same person in both contests. That is remarkable that Derek's been able to do that. Kudos to him. Really good competitor. So I'm excited to look and see what his picks are as the weeks go on. Definitely something to watch. Alan, as we dive into picks this week, tell me if you like my methodology here. We have to decide who goes first on a weekly basis, but hey, we've never blended two contests like this together before. So last year, what we did is we talked about whoever scored more points in the confidence pick would go first in picks. But I think we kind of have to blend the two contests together with the overall records between the two. I went 13 and seven in my picks against the spread and in confidence. You went 11 and nine. So if you're with me, I think that might be our determining factor for who goes first in our picks, both against the spread and confidence on a weekly basis. I bow before you and kiss the ring, good sir. (laughs) You shall go first. I love it. All right, Alan, we're going to start each and every week in the against the spread pick them over on CBS Sports. And Alan, I am going to take you to Iowa City for the battle for the Cyhawk Trophy because we've got the Iowa State Cyclones as a a three-and-a-half-point underdog at Iowa. And Alan, I have one question for you before I really start breaking this game down. I want to know, how many times do you think we talked about this Iowa Hawkeyes offense last year, and how 
terrible this offense truly is. Oh, dear Lord. I would be a very, very wealthy man if we counted and added money to the amount of times that we talked about how bad that Iowa offense is. Jeez Louise, it's awful. It is awful, and Alan, I believe that week one of this 2022 college football season found an all-new level of putrid that the Hawkeyes can put on the field. Now, granted, they were playing the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State University, so we have to put that out there, but Alan, I just want to read off some of these stats from week one with the Iowa Hawkeyes. They ran 61 plays for 166 yards. That's 2.7 yards per play. They had a massive 10 first downs in the game. They ran the ball 36 times for 57 yards, only 1.6 yards per carry. They had 109 passing yards on 25 attempts, or 4.4 yards per attempt. They had two turnovers, a missed field goal. They went 4 of 17 on third down. They went 0 for 1 in Redstone scoring opportunities. And if you want one more piece of evidence of how bad this team was on Saturday, Iowa did win the game 7 to 3. I haven't mentioned that yet. But, oh wait, did they score a touchdown? No, not so fast. They sure did not. They went up early in the game with a field goal. Then at the half, they were tied 3-3. Three to three. And Allen, they got to seven points by having two second-half safeties be the difference in the score. So I submit to you, has this Iowa offense changed one bit? If it has, I think maybe it's regressed. Isn't that the truth? My God. Is that one gift that I always love to show so much? It says... Not great, Bob. Not great. (laughs) Not great, Bob, at all. Alan, I will also tell you that this Iowa State team that comes in this season does have some concerns. They lose running back Brees Hall, who is a second-round pick. They lose Mm -hmm. a star defensive end in Ioma. Ua Zarike, a fourth-round pick. A tight end in Charlie Kolar, who is a fourth-round pick. And Brock Purdy, their quarterback, who is a seventh-round pick. But coming back this year, they've got a star defensive end in Will McDonald, who I think is always a sack threat. And when you have a statue like Spencer Petrus throwing the ball for Iowa, I think there could be a strip sack involved somewhere. They've got an awesome wide receiver in Xavier Hutchinson. And quarterback Hunter Deckers came out and had a really strong performance in week one. His first start going 25 of 31, just under 300 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. And they've got a decent running back coming back and replacing Brees Hall and Jarrell Brock. He had a 100-yard game on Saturday in week one with a touchdown. So, Alan, when I have this Iowa State offense that I think can be pretty good, sure, they lost a good number of pieces from last year's team, but they had a good performance in week one. Going up against this Iowa offense that could not be any worse, I don't think, in week two, I like the pick to go with an ATS lock for Iowa State plus three and a half on the road because, frankly, I don't know if Iowa can score any more than, let's say they have an awesome offensive output day. Let's say they score like 17 points. At that point, I still think Iowa State, at worst, can keep this within a field goal, if not win this game outright. I like the Cyclones as a lock plus three and a half. Man, I love that pick. I love the Cyclones, but there is just something wizard-like about Kirk Ferentz and pulling 
you know, I mean, the, the dude's freaking rumple stilt skin. I mean, he's been spinning straw out his rear end out there in Iowa for how long after a terrible season or after a terrible game. This is one of those type of games that I just don't have any good feel for. I love your confidence, but I feel like I've been burned by this Iowa team and coaching staff one too many times to go on record for a lock. Yeah, (laughs) I I understand your philosophy, man. I have been burned by them a number of times, too. In this individual matchup, there have been a couple of times where I've been on the side with the Cyclones and it has not worked out for me. But this Iowa offense has reached all new depths of lows that I can imagine. And I just don't think that I have to give much of a stretch to figure that Iowa State can keep this game close. Turnovers have been a big problem in this matchup in recent years, but I think Iowa State's been the better team the last couple of times these two teams have played. And uh, if this game were not in Iowa City, the spread would look an awful lot different. But the fact that we have three and a half and this isn't three or two and a half, I really like my chance to catch those points and for Iowa State to keep this within a field goal. Listen, I like that. I'm proud of you for making that play, man. God be with you on your journey. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it because I need to turn it around after going 0-2 on my ATS locks last week. But I like this one a lot, and I hope it turns out well for me. Alan, where are you going for an against the spread lock over on CBS Sports? Let's travel back down south to Gainesville, Florida, where we talked about that we saw a lot more out of Florida than we did see not a ton out of Utah. I thought Utah proved themselves to be a formidable foe. Cam Rising just had a couple of gaffes that ended up costing them, in many ways, the game. Florida hosts Kentucky and are, depending on where you look, either four-and-a-half or five-point favorite at home against Kentucky. Kentucky did not stop the run well um, last week, nor did they run the ball particularly well. They're missing Chris Rodriguez. Saw where today it was announced that another running back that had just transferred in from Sam Houston State, he tore his ACL. They just didn't run the ball particularly well against Miami of Ohio puts a little bit too much pressure on Will Levis. I think that's a bad recipe against a team with Anthony Richardson and company who was able to run the ball very well. And in many ways, Florida only freaking falls upward. They're like the Kardashians. So because of that, I've got them covering the four and a half point spread on CBS Sports. And uh, I'm going with AK. Well, he's not AK-15 anymore because he he didn't. He wanted to disassociate <laughs> himself from that, which I don't blame him. But I'm going to go with Billy Napier and company covering that spread against Kentucky. Yeah, Alan, I hate to say it because I did live right outside of Lexington for a good number of yeah. years as a kid. I love the Wildcats. I love seeing them do well. I love seeing them start the year ranked. I like a lot of aspects of this team. But I think that you're on the right side of this one. And I will absolutely be on the side of Florida minus four and a half as well. I think you touched on a lot of aspects of this game already. The other things that I would add is this Kentucky offensive line, which misses a number of guys from a year ago, really, really struggled against Miami of Ohio. They gave up a lot of sacks. If you go back and if you didn't see any of their games, sure, Kentucky beat Miami of Ohio comfortably, but it wasn't until the second half when they had a kickoff return for touchdown, a quick turnover on a short field to score a touchdown. Uh, I think that started on a drive inside the 10-yard line that they really started pulling away. And that's not the recipe I think 
would offer for a lot of success backing Kentucky in this matchup. So I think they're shuffling the offensive line around. Maybe they'll figure some things out, but I think it's going to be tough for them to figure out those problems in a tough road environment in Gainesville, Florida. I think you're on top of it. I think the right play in this game is the side of the Florida Gators minus the four and a half. Yeah, and this is kind of one of the things I think about Florida that's really interesting. I think this would be a different environment, even potentially a different matchup if Utah wins that game last week. I don't know if the juice is going to be there as much for Florida, but just mentally because they won that game, because of the fans that are going to be even more hyped thinking, okay, can we now compete with the big boys? Can we compete potentially with Georgia and Jacksonville later on this year? You just have these opportunities begin to flow in their heads. I think they're going to be there and they're going to be wild. And the guy that I was thinking of that I just could not for the life of me get off the top of my head, Ramon Jefferson's the young man that tore his ACL. That news just released a, a couple of hours ago before recording. And so, yeah, it just feels like this is one that's set up for Florida. They're not going to blow out Kentucky, but I could see them covering that four and a half by, you know, maybe by like 10 to 13 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it makes an awful lot of sense. And if the thing is to me, if Kentucky's offensive line struggles anywhere close to the way it did against Miami of Ohio, it's going to be a really, really long day. And Kentucky's not going to be able to move the ball and it could get out of hand. I don't think Florida's probably going to have a huge scoring output game because I think Kentucky's defense is pretty talented. But I do think that Florida has an edge already in this game. Home field is going to be a huge edge. And I think already, even if this game was in Lexington, I think honestly, I'd be having a difficult time siding with Kentucky because of the struggles they had in week one. But I think with this game being in Gainesville, it's absolutely easy to imagine Florida winning this game by seven or more. Yeah, 100%, man. All right, Alan, let's move over to the confidence value picks that we set up for our confidence pick them on ESPN. Alan, I'm going right back to the same matchup I talked about against the spread. That is with the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa State Cyclones. You already know that I'm going with Iowa State plus the three and a half against the spread over on CBS. But Alan, I have a couple more things to break down in this matchup and what we've seen in recent history with these two teams. Now, the Hawkeyes come into this having won six consecutive games in this matchup, but Alan, I'll point out that the last four have been by 10 points or less. And I truly believe the last two, Iowa State has been the better football team when these two teams have played. Sure, they've lost, but they have outgained Iowa by over 270 yards combined over the last two matchups. I said it before, it's really been turnovers that have been the problem. So I want to see Iowa State protect the football down in Iowa City. That's not going to be easy. It's a tough road environment, but I've already told you why I think this Iowa offense is so bad. Plus, I think their best player on offense, Tyler Goodson from a year ago being gone, is not an insignificant deal for the Hawkeyes. So, Alan, when we're talking about confidence, I'm willing to take a shot on this matchup in the ESPN confidence pick'em. If you look at the percentages of where picks are falling, 64% of people are on Iowa as we're recording here on Tuesday night. If you look at Iowa at the current spread, 
It's also at three and a half, just like our CBS Sports ATS pick them. If you took the confidence value and went according to the spread, you would put Iowa at either a two or a three. But Alan, I'm going to flip that around this week. I'm going to put my points on the Cyclones. I'm going to take Iowa State at about a four this week. I think if they show up and prove that they're the better team, win on the road, it's going to be a good flip game for me collecting some points against a lot of people in the standings in our own contest and all around the world. Oh, let's go, my man. You're flipping the script. The history will be broken this time. It took less time to tear down the Berlin Wall than it did for Iowa State to beat Iowa. I mean, I think it's going to be a really intriguing matchup. My goodness, bro. The past couple of years, Brock Purdy has given out more gifts than Santa Claus to this Iowa team. And it's one of those things when you look at this matchup, Maybe they just had to rid themselves of Brock Purdy, who otherwise, for the most part, was a really good quarterback, one of the best that Iowa State's ever seen. But there was something about this matchup that always brought out the worst in him. Again, I really want that to be the case, and I've gone wrong the past couple of times on it. But we shall see. I do not know where I'm going with that one yet because it really is, in my mind, kind of a 50-50 split. Yeah, I understand that. And I understand the hesitation that's there. The fact that this game is on the road for Iowa State, that's really the only thing that even gave me any pause in this matchup. Just because of how bad Iowa was offensively a week ago, I really like the odds that Iowa State might just be able to find their way to you know, 17 or 20 points, and that might just be enough to get them the win on the road. But it really is the factor that really only about a third of people, a little more or so, are on the Cyclones. If I'm on the right side there in a matchup that, like you said, maybe it's 50-50, maybe Iowa State's slightly the better team, I think that I stand a good chance at really swinging some points my way versus the opportunity that other people have. 100%. And you get something like that right, and it really catapults you into a big day point-wise, you know? It absolutely could. Alan, where are you going for your confidence value pick here on the free pick and pod we give for the people on a weekly basis? Well, I'm going to give to the people, I'm going to go back to the Houston Cougars, and we're going to head down to Lubbock, Texas, which I think going to be a really fun matchup. Texas Tech is hosting the Houston Cougars, and Texas Tech, currently is a three-point favorite, which means that this is a pick on a neutral field, most likely. They favor Texas Tech by three just because they are at home. But last week, I think this Houston team proved something pretty important about themselves. They got down 21-7 to to a, honestly, I think a pretty dang good UTSA team. That team was shockingly good. Last week was the type of win for Houston that can catapult the team, especially one that has all the talent that they have. The Toon Squad, I really like for his headspace. He's a great leader. When you go down to Texas Tech, they beat Murray State like 63-10 to 10 or something like that. But Tyler Shuck is out for the next couple of weeks. Even though Donovan Smith performed admirably last week in that blowout win, I'm going to a team that I trust and know can win on the road and can win a matchup. With this basically being a pick-em-type game, 
If you have it on your board with the spread, Texas Tech, you would have them at a one. I'm flipping that script, and I'm going to go Houston over Texas Tech at either a two or a three. Yeah, I can't blame you. This is a really interesting matchup that we had a year ago in this very same contest. I remember that I believe you were on Houston a year ago. I was on Texas Tech. We didn't talk about it a whole lot on the show, but Texas Tech came away with the win a year ago. The fact that this one is at Texas Tech, I think gives me some of that hesitation in this one. I think Houston's fully capable of winning this game, but I can tell you that this game is going to be very, very low in value on my board. I haven't solidified exactly where I'm going yet. As of this moment, I've got Texas Tech at a one, but Alan, I can't blame you for thinking the other side. It's just, I came away, I guess if we're talking about Houston and UTSA a week ago, I came away more impressed with the Roadrunners, and I had an awfully high opinion of Houston, and I think I had to downgrade that a little bit, even based off the performance, even though they came up with the win. And yeah, sure, they showed a lot of gumption in coming back, but I just don't know if Houston is quite as impressive as I thought they were going to be in week one. So I kind of lean towards the Red Raiders, but I'm not at all set in stone with my pick as we head into later in the week. I just know that this one, no matter who I end up on at the end of the week, is going to be really low on my board. 100%. I think either way on this one, you're going low with it just because, I mean, you would have to be an insane person to push this one above like a three or four, in my opinion. Very true. I agree with you. Alan, as we wrap up here with the Pick and Pod, we have to announce that we picked up another team member. We have a new team captain. His name is Joshua. He is supporting the show on Patreon at a $5 a month level. And Alan, what that gets him is exclusive access to what's coming next, our bonus Pick and Pods, where Alan and I will each give you another ATS lock and another confidence value pick for each of our contests. Plus, he'll get weekly emails with all of our picks in them. That means if he misses out a chance to listen to the show on a weekly basis, he still gets those picks sent directly to him. He gets to check those out. Of course, you can gain access to our bonus pick on pods at a lower monthly value from your own pocket, but he does get the chance to be able to see those picks in multiple forms each and every week. Plus, I'm going to tease this out just a little bit. For those people that are joining at our team captain level, we now have three of them. We're going to have some bonus stuff coming to you during bowl season. I know that's a few months away, but there's going to be some more stuff coming your way that's going to be exclusive access for you all who are joining at that team captain level. $5 per month. So, Alan, I think there's some cool perks that are available. And on top of all of that... Joshua's money is going to increase the pot that we are putting money into to create better and bigger prizes season after season here on the best college football pick and pot in the land with his $5 a month contribution. We now expect our pot to grow by $111 and 42 cents each and every month going forward, October and beyond. If you project out to the 2023 season, That would mean from here till then, we would collect over $1,330 to play for amongst everybody in our competitions split up across all of our contests. So, Alan, we are moving in a good direction. We're thankful for each and every one of you who has joined as a supporter of the show. But the more and more we collect there, we're going to have bigger and bigger prizes each and every year as we build out the best college football pick and pod in the land. 
That's exactly right. Brick by brick, as Butch Jones used to say, man, do I despise that man. But in that regard, that is a catchy <laughs> phrase. And uh, yeah, thank you to, to Bruce and to Joshua for for your guys' support. It means a great deal to us. It is going to be cool to see where it goes, but thank you all for the support. Regina as well, as she has continued to give at that team captain level. It's been awesome to see the support, and uh, hopefully you're going to see this podcast transform into one of the coolest college football podcasts out there. I know a lot of you found it early, but hopefully we can continue to create really good stuff for you. Alan, thank you for your time, sir. Appreciate the picks, and uh, we just have to say, if you'd like to listen to more and get more picks from us, We'll be over on the bonus pick em pod that you can get access to through Patreon. Alan, thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. See you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.